the parkers. Dang, mama. You know what you're doing. I don't want to think I'm enjoying us. I'm enjoying us. We're the parkers. You know, honestly, what's missing from a lot of shows nowadays is a great theme song. If you had, if your life was a show, what would your theme song sound like? Just a question. I'm just wondering, like, would it be like a, just instrumental? Would you have like a jazzy, like, you know, Countess Vaughn? Come and join us. Would it be like Taina? Like, what what would your theme song be? Just, I'm just curious as all. Um, shout out to Countess Vaughn, who recently lost her dad, um, prayers up for her. And, um, wow, what a somber way to start the show. Okay. First of all, you're tuned into an all new episode of a seat at the table podcast. Hello. Hello. What a long week. Um, after the Super Bowl Louis Vuitton games. I honestly, like, wasn't sure how or if I was going to, um, if I was going to record this week. Don't be, don't be, um, coming at me, looking at me like a bitch. What you mean you wasn't going to record? I mean, I see some of the other pod girls out there and giving you an episode this week. So I just decided to just go on ahead and give the girls what they need. And plus, there is so much to discuss. Why? All right. I'm not even going to get into, like, any crazy side conversations because there is a lot to discuss. But hopefully you guys are having a great week. Hopefully you are breathing deeply and giving yourself a moment to take it all in and to be there for yourselves. Um, Did I tell you guys that I have been actively journaling? Yeah, 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 yeah. I brought a book. It's called I'm Fucking Radiant. It's a self-care journal to help you. Ditch those spa days and quit the bullshit and actually feel fucking better. Not my words, theirs. Um, But it is a great and less cumbersome way of journaling where you are asked a series of questions, um, which allows you to journal on a myriad of topics. But um, committing pen to paper is a huge deal. And um, something that I wanted to give to myself at the top of the year. Um, We are literally, what, I don't know, eight weeks into the year already. January was slow, though. I felt like January just drags, girl, it just drags. Um, And I've also been pregnant for, I feel like an elephant. I feel like I've been pregnant for 10 years. Um, so, hmm. uh, but, and I'm still, y'all, 
we said we wasn't going to get into these side conversations. But shout out to all of my friends and my family, you know, coming into a pregnancy situation single and, um, you know, not necessarily. And these are different times. Like I have experienced with friends and family what being a single mother is like. But when you throw a pandemic in it, when you throw racially charged country into it, when you throw just like just just a bunch of shit, when you throw someone who is over the traditional childbearing age, which I am, throw your nose at someone else, you know, it it is, there's different facets that kind of play into um, my situation. And, you know, not that I didn't think that I would be supported, but the level of support that I've received from my family and my friends have honestly been overwhelming. Um, And, you know, I choose to focus on the positive and the people who've been there for me. I definitely have some folks and some situations that have surprised me um, with their distance keeping and their, you know, keeping in touch from a distance because it makes them feel better, not necessarily because they're actually really interested. But, you know, listen, what I will say, and I'll say it a, a million times, it's um, this is one of the most evolutionary experiences that I've ever been through Um Growing another life form is wild. Um, the God is truly the most, the most brilliant architect um, and inventor that I could have ever imagined. Because the things that my body has been able to do defies what I could have even dreamt of. And um, I can't wait to introduce you guys to my new co-host when she decides to make her debut. Um, But nonetheless, let's get into all that's happening this week. So, yeah, like I was saying, I'm hoping that you guys are breathing deeply and having conscious moments and being mindful, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, cashmere sweaters and such. Um. So did you guys watch the Louis Vuitton one bowl? So the Super Bowl took place um, Sunday, February 13th um, in Los Angeles. Uh, A game to be played between the Rams of Los Angeles and the, um, what are those, what are them other niggas called? The um, the Bengals of uh, Cincinnati. Now, I've gone to both cities, and they're both very charming in their own little way. Um, it is, in my humble opinion, that this was perhaps one of the more interesting uh, Super Bowl games that I have seen over the years. It wasn't a complete blowout as the score ended in a 23 
20 in favor of the Rams. Now, though the Rams came in with a better league record, um, I really thought for the most part, watching most of the games, that the Bengals were going to, they were going to bring it on home. And it really wasn't until the last, I don't know, five minutes that I was like, holy shit, the Rams is, are the Rams going to win? Now, in light of all of the information that's come out recently about the NFL with Brian Flores and um, and other coaches um, getting involved in the lack of African-American coaches and just all kind of things happening, I really did. It was my, okay. This could be an unpopular opinion, but watching the last three minutes of the game, I felt like the Bengals could have won. They had timeouts under their plate, and it just seemed like they just kind of gave up and said, you know what, give it to the Rams. We're in L.A. Um, Because I thought they played a better game. I just did. Um, And I thought that it was their game to win. And also their game to give up. And I felt like they purposefully gave it up. Just my opinion. My opinion. Sorry. Um, But nonetheless, good game. But everybody was talking about the halftime show, which was Dr. Dre produced. Now, I don't know if y'all know this, but do y'all know that like the NFL does not pay the performers for the halftime show? And the production of said show is oftentimes paid for by the artists themselves. So in watching it, I kind of felt like it was a great halftime show. It was good. It was good. Um, Now, I guess they heard our cries in regards to Mary J. Blige only performing one song, which would have been... um, getting crunk in the dancery because that's her only Dr. Dre produced song. But I'm glad that they allowed her to perform at least um, no drama. I thought she looked amazing. Um, she's, what, 51, 52, um, wearing a, a bodysuit. Um, as we all know, Mary J. Blige invented the over-the-knee boot. And I thought she looked great. I thought um, Snoop Dogg did an awesome job. Um, The surprise guest performer was 50 Cent, and you guys wasted no time dragging him as he hung upside down in the club, having put on a few more extra pounds. You guys are awful people. Now, the reason why I didn't really feel that bad for him is because he also wastes no time making fun of people for any reason whatsoever. So I figure if you can dish it out, you obviously can take it as well. So just my humbled opinion. Um, I thought he looked good, though. Um, it wasn't a surprise to me that he performed um, and super excited to to see him and uh, see Eminem, um, you know, the internet has compared Eminem's Lose Yourself that to being white people's version of dreams and nightmares, which accuracy, I love it. It's true. Um, 
But yes, also super excited about that. Um, now, of course, the uh, halftime show wouldn't be a halftime show if it didn't have some controversy in it. And this year's controversy is that um, the NFL had indeed asked that um, the performers, including Eminem, not take a knee during the show. However, Eminem did in fact take a knee and defy the NFL rules. Now, I thought it was quite interesting that he was the only performer um, who was white um, and the only one to take a knee. Now, um, I've heard arguments on both sides. It's easy for him to take a knee because he's not going to face the backlash that Kendrick Lamar would have faced, um, who I thought, honestly, I thought he had the best performance out of the entire crew. Kendrick Lamar, who wore a Louis Vuitton Virgil Abloh um, uh, suit. Um, but I, I, I think that that's the thing with Kendrick Lamar. I think that he's not your average rapper who just kind of stands there and, you know, does the arm thing. He, he definitely engages his audience, which makes for a more exciting performance view. But, um, yeah, Eminem took a knee. I think that it is unfortunate that that knee stance has not garnered more, um, media and public attention. However, I know that we have the attention span of a cat playing with a ball of yarn. We don't have it. We don't have it, y'all. I'm sorry, we ain't got it. So nonetheless, um, all very interesting, all dope. Who stood out as your favorite performer? Um, you know, I think it's interesting because a lot of the girls are saying that, like, you know, Jay-Z is the head of the entertainment department at the at the NFL. And <clears throat> there's been a lot of um, discussion in the media, especially in regards to African-American presence in the side of ownership and coaching in the NFL. So one of the things that you may or may not know is that it takes a unanimous, a unanimous decision by all owners in the NFL for another owner to come in. You don't just get to buy a team. It has to be agreed upon by all owners of the organization that you are allowed to buy said team. Um, I think most people have always thought that Jay-Z's um, role in the NFL was to bring more attention to um, black contribution outside of just playing. Um, but I think that we have a long way to go. Um, it was announced in the news this week that um, Byron Allen, media mogul and mega billionaire Byron Allen, also former host of the Byron Allen Show, um, is looking to uh, seek ownership, whether that be full majority ownership or partial, of 
the Denver Broncos. So I'm in full support of that. And I guess we'll have to follow that information a little bit closely and see where that lands us. Now, there was a lot of celebrities at this game, including Blue Ivy, one of the the, the biggest celebrities I know, as well as two of my other favorite celebrities, Northwest and St. West. Um, now, North and Saint were there with their dad, who was there with his newest friend, Antonio Brown. Um, and, of course, uh, Young Blue was there with her dad and mom and Auntie Kelly and yada, yada, yada. Um, my friend North didn't seem very impressed by all that was happening there. She didn't seem like she... She didn't seem into it, guys. I'm sorry. She was like, oh, why am I, oh, why do I even have to come here? But um, nonetheless, I could see why she would be um, less than interested, especially being all that has happened this week in the media surrounding her parents. Um, you know, Kanye has spent um, a large part of the week posting on Instagram in in all capital letters um, regarding Kim Kardashian and her relationship with Pete Davidson and um, doing such things as having a truck full of roses show up at her house um, and uh, posting, reposting private conversations between him and Kim um and also posting such things as like um he's going to do bodily harm to um Kim's newest friend Mr. Pete Davidson um it's just been it's been wild not for nothing but i feel like it's it's a lot Kanye you know and <sighs> Why niggas don't never know that they want something until it's gone? I mean, they announced their separation and subsequent divorce months ago, yet we still saw Kim supporting Kanye um, when he was releasing his album Donda, showing up to his Atlanta show as well as his Chicago show. And all of that, all of that support still led him down the path of a Julia Fox and a Kim Kardashian lookalike. I I mean, I I don't know Kanye West personally. I don't know what his mental state is. People have um, have decided to diagnose this man without even knowing him. Um, calling him manic at best. Um, I think that it is sad to see all of this play out in the public because this is a family that has four children, all under the age of eight, um, 
and eight is may sound young. And I want to say, I don't know if I, I think North is, is eight. Um, she may be older than that, but I think that it is, um, I think that it is interesting that he is choosing for this to play out in the way that it is when he had the ability to, it seems, at least from the outside, to fix it prior to it being fodder for the public. Um, And eight may seem like it is a young age, but considering that most of your kids have tablets by the age of two or three, um, and kids are far more advanced nowadays, and even the way that they are speaking and the things that they have access to have changed, I'm sure that this young lady is going to school, this little girl's going to school, and having to deal with um, the harassment that that comes with your dad putting your your private your family's private information out into the public, um, and so I'm I'm you know I don't want to waste too much time on this because I feel like that's what it feels like a waste of time. It also gives me heavy. OJ vibes. Um, you know, I am a person that can be triggered by, you know, and I think that's anybody. I think that when you've gone through particular situations and um, they feel akin, you see them play out in front of you, whether it be with people that you know or with celebrities or on a television show. You know, I think when you see them play out, you it can definitely strike a chord within you that brings you back to the place mentally. And also, you know, the body and the brain doesn't understand what is happening to you in real life versus what's just a trigger. So you can feel those physical and 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 mental emotions when you see them play out and to see all of this play out to me just kind of draws me back to OJ Simpson and what took place between him and Nicole Brown Simpson and her subsequent death and that trial. Um, and I really pray for Kim, you know, many of you may not be keeping up with the Kardashian fans, but I feel for Kim because having watched you know, a close family friend um, be murdered and have to go through the trial and yada, yada, yada. And then this kind of obsessive um, control that is playing out in her own life has to be, it has to be weird. You know, it has to be weird. And so for that very reason alone, I wish that Kanye would, I wish that he would try to find another way to reach out to Kim and to do it on a more private note. Um, 
Something else that took place this week was that he and Julia Fox, or at least Julia Fox, um, his latest downtown whore du jour. And you know what? That's rude. That's rude. I've just been reading a lot of Azalea Banks' comments, which we'll get to all of that in a minute. But um, his relationship with Julia Fox is ended, uh, according to her. Um, and, you know, she doesn't seem to be taking it anyway. I think what we saw was Azalea Banks make a lot of comments regarding um, from the inception of their relationship to where they are now. And um, this kind of led to Julia retaliating by showing screen grabs of text messages um, from Azalea, Azalea asking her, where can she get Molly's and Percocet's? Also asking her, can she get a discounted hotel room? And it just, all of this is just the frequency, the energy surrounding all of this seems to be very drug fueled, (laughs) very um, mentally and emotionally unstable. Um, You know, seeing, I think one of the things that was much to my chagrin was seeing Julia Fox walk in the Laquan Smith show. Now, Laquan Smith, who is now, if you're not aware, it is New York Fashion Week. Um, This is probably one of the quieter New York Fashion Weeks that I've experienced. Um, And, uh, you know, I am a huge Laquan Smith fan. Um, And some of the standout shows for me, if you guys haven't, uh, been able to keep up with the shows, please go to newyorkfashionweek.com, nyfw.com, and you can probably catch up on some of the shows from this past week. I thought Sergio Hudson, who I am such a huge fan of, had an amazing, amazing show. I just thought everything just looked, I am such a huge Sergio Hudson fan. Such a huge um, Hudson fan. And I also um, really loved Victor Glamod. Had a great show, I thought. And I've had the, um, I've had the privilege of meeting Mr. Glamod. And um, just what, brilliant show. Um, but Laquan Smith had a show. And he had Julia Fox walking in the show. And I just thought it was really clickbaity, very cloudy. I wasn't a fan of that at all. Um, I just wasn't a fan. Um, I loved the fact that he did play Saucy Santana's, one of Saucy Santana's hits during his show. Um, Saucy Santana, as well as Lala, as well as, um, and that's Lala Anthony. And, um, you know, it's so funny because, you know, back in the day, you would watch New York Fashion Week shows and it would be really the upper echelon of people sitting front row at these shows. Now, I'm not shading, okay? But what I am saying is that Koi LeRae, um, um, 
There's just girls sitting front row now, and it could be because I'm getting older and maybe I'm just disconnected. Um, but there are girls who are sitting front row at the shows now that I'm like, um, why for? Y'all didn't have nobody else to invite? Eh, okay, sure. Um, but yeah, so Julia Fox walking in the Laquan Smith show. Sorry, major disappointment. Wasn't feeling it. Felt very clout chasey on both of their parts. Um, you know, and, and maybe they're good Judies. I don't know. But it just didn't, it wasn't giving me what I needed it to give. Sorry. Um, okay. So what else do we have this week outside of New York Fashion Week? Um, so, uh, a lot going on here in New York City and um, as well as um, throughout the country. Now, one of the things that we all witnessed at the Super Bowl um, was that many of the um, many of the attendees did not actually um, wear a mask. Now, mask mandates have not been fully lifted in LA. However, there they were, not really wearing masks, except for Kanye, who wore a full mask, which, okay, you paid thousands of dollars to wear a full face mask, which eventually, I guess, he took off. Um, But one of the things that have come to light regarding um, COVID recently, um, as many cities look to lift their mask mandates um, as we see COVID uh, diagnoses go down, hospitalizations and deaths plummet in the last couple of weeks. Um, It came out that the Moderna CEO had in fact sold his stocks. Um, So Moderna CEO Stephane Bansell reportedly deleted his official Twitter account over the weekend and sold shares in the company. Now Bansell sold 10,000 of his own shares in Moderna stock earlier um, in the weekend after the average price went from 178 up 3% um, as reported by Yahoo Finance. Now, in addition to selling his shares, several Twitter uh, users noticed that Bansell deleted his Twitter account without any explanation. Now, it was reported by uh, Guru Seed editor Ryan Allen that Moderna CEO deleted his Twitter account and sells $400 million worth of Moderna shares, as does Nubar Fen, another Moderna co-founder who dumped $1.5 billion of his shares of the company as well. Now, this is, interested in, this is interesting to note because as of Monday, the Moderna stock actually crashed and lost $140 billion as um, a lot of the company's insiders have decided to 
sell their stocks. Now, not sure what's going on there, but some things to note is that the stock fell 13% as of Monday, which was a 10-month low. Um, and this actually pushed the stock down 30% over the past month. Um, now, this is bad for COVID-19-related stocks in recent weeks, where um, Pfizer has been down 2%. Now, we're not a financial uh we're not a finance podcast here, but I'm just saying that this is all worth noting um, as it looks like the government and the CDC, as well as the pharmaceutical industry, looks to reignite the 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 current financial state with inflation at an all time high in the country, knowing that one of the ways to do this is by quashing all of the hysteria that has surrounded COVID-19 in the past couple of weeks and months and years, to be honest with you. Now, this all comes um, during a time where people are actually still dying of COVID. Shout out and prayers up to actor and singer and entertainer Tyrese Gibson, who recently just lost his mom due to a battle with COVID. Um, it was announced that Coachella would not have any COVID restrictions, not not enforcing that any of the attendees have a virus, um, have their, um, their uh, why can't I think right now? But it's not being enforced that um, they have their vaccine. Um, as well as mask mandates are not being enforced. And so uh, Coachella is a several day over festival and it is often attended by thousands and thousands and thousands. And so to know that there will be no COVID mandate enforcing happening at this festival, I'm wondering, have we seen the last in the rise of COVID? You know, with inflation being what it is and our federal government not really seeming to get a handle on on the current inflation problems as we watch gas subsequently continue to be at an all-time high, as we watch food and groceries seemingly... Y'all, I went to the supermarket last week and I went the week before. Um, I have a really small fridge, so I can't like stock up at like Costco, you know, so I find myself having to go to the supermarket at least once every two weeks, if not every week to get odds and ends. So I go, the prices had changed in the matter of a week, rising on everything from eggs to cheese to orange juice. Not only did it rise, but the availability was very low. And I know that we are all guacamole fans and we are all avocado, or if you are like me, raised in a West Indian household, pear fans. Y'all, now they talking about we not going to be able to get avocados with the frequency that we usually get it. <sighs> did y'all not hear about this shit? 
Okay. So apparently there is a region in Mexico where avocados, where a large bulk of avocados that are shipped to the U.S. come from. Now, this region has also been suffering and been plagued with a large majority of drug um, trafficking issues. So the U.S. ambassador and agriculturalist who works with this area received death threats as the U.S. looked into some of the drug trafficking. He didn't even receive death threats. He received some threats which caused him to then decide that it was in the best interest that they cut off, if not slow down, the amount of avocados that we're getting from this. So this now means that we are now going to be limited on avocados. So that three for five deal that you were getting at C-Town, bitch, you not finna get it no more. I hate it here. I feel like young, young Jaden Smith. I hate it here. Like, sometimes I look around at this country and I listen to the news, which is just one big depressive state. And I wonder to myself, how the fuck did this country get here? How did we get here? Like, how did we get to the point that... We are where we're at. You know what I mean? That we are. <sighs> I don't know. That we are like the laughing stock of, of other countries. And I don't know. It just feels like. I don't know how we got here, y'all. I really don't. Um, but at any rate. Um, speaking of not knowing how we got here, I'm not staying here long, but I do want to talk about the fact that like, what is Shinseya doing with London on the track, y'all? Who, who, who in the hell left the gate open there? Now, if you have not been paying attention, which you probably haven't because you've got your own life and who cares, but um, (sighs) reggae artist Shinsea, um, who has recently made an attempt at several bops that I guess haven't really gone anywhere, which includes a song that she recently did. Did she do a song with Meg Thee Stallion? Yeah, that didn't really, that didn't really yield anything. Um, And I think she has a song with 21 Savage now that doesn't really seem that that's going to be giving anything either. Um, But what she has done is linked up with problematic baby dad and producer London on the track. Now, the two were seen together at the Super Bowl, holding hands, walking in, cadoodling, can canoodling. Um, And... Now, I'm speaking from a place where I have been Shensea, 
I am currently working my way against not being um, his baby mom, London on the Tracks, most famous of the baby mom, Summer Walker. Um, But, you know, ladies and some of my fellas, too, don't we always think that we could be the one to change them? Aren't we always woo-woo-wooed by the wrong one? I read something today that said that um, that said that broken men know who to love but not how to love, and broken women know how to love but not who to love. And I thought that that was super interesting and um, also extremely true. As we sit here and watch this play out. Now, I wish them both the best of luck because I don't wish failure on on their relationship. But I do know that he doesn't really have a history of being a thoughtful lover or partner or baby's dad. So... Prayers to them, and I hope that they are able to, if for nothing else, um, make it work between them. Uh, Last but not least, so Whoopi Goldberg came back to work this week, um, and she stated that she is, um, she considers it a privilege to have the platform and be seated at the table for the view and that she was happy to be back. Um, This comes all amidst of um, Whoopi being um, basically uh, shamed for comments that she made regarding the Jewish community and feeling as though and feeling as though what happened with the Holocaust was not about um was more not about race but um nonetheless she was forced to take a two week unpaid hiatus because of her comments and uh this also comes during a time where um, where Joe Rogan, who has managed to keep his job despite touting out the word nigga a hundred more than a hundred and something times over the his tenure doing the Joe Rogan podcast. Now, all of this is super interesting. Did you guys know that Joe Rogan is the stepfather of the young lady? Okay. All right, let's just let's just bring it on back. Do y'all know the group H Town? Somebody rocking, knocking the boots. Um, now H Town, uh, one of the singers from the group, I believe his name was Dino, who has since passed away. Joe Rogan's wife and Dino have a daughter together which would make this young lady a black young lady. Now, Joe Rogan's Joe Rogan has been married to this woman for quite some time. 
is the stepfather to this black young lady and still didn't see a problem with using the word nigga, whether it was contextual or not. Um, to the point that Joe Rogan, I believe, has adopted this young lady, being that her father had passed away and been out of her life for several years, and he has been in her life for several years. All very interesting, and all did not stop him from using the word nigga. Now, we had people such as Jay Prince and all these other people kind of pulling up the bloodstained banner for Joe Rogan and coming to his defense. Um, and his show managed to stay on without suspension. Um, and honestly, because we have um, the poorest of attention spans, what we really saw was the media play out in a way where it was just like, give it a one or two day kind of break and it'll all blow over, which it seems like that's exactly what's happening in the case of Joe Rogan. Just give it a day or two and watch it blow over and watch it no longer be an issue that this man, I don't know if he's racist or not, but definitely used the word nigga more times than I would have cared to. Now, um, you know, I've heard people say, well, you can use the word spig or you can use the word like, like, I don't know if you've ever heard of the term kike. Um, it is a really derogatory and nasty word. Um, and um, it is an offensive word used to um, used to describe a Jewish person. It's really, its origin comes from the early 20th century and really doesn't um, have, it's not a word that you hear used often. But it's, it's definitely an ethnic slur. And had he used that word 130, he wouldn't have made it to 130 times over the span of his podcasting career using that word. Whoopi Goldberg didn't make it through one episode of saying what she felt, it's a show called The View, her view on why the Holocaust took place. She didn't make it through. She, she barely made it through the fucking episode before they were like, oh girl, you got to go. However, Joe Rogan made it through years of using the word nigger and not being punished for it. Um, sans the raising of the hand by the cocoa butter queen herself, India Ari, which if we're going to be honest, had it been another artist and not NZRE, had it been a Taylor Swift who said, yo, why is he saying that so much? Or Adele or Drake or Beyonce or someone else, it would have probably been a bigger deal. But y'all don't really give a shit about NZRE. Y'all don't. And a lot of that is because of the way she looks, if we're going to be honest. She's a dark skinned woman with a broader nose, beautiful skin like sunshine. But y'all don't care about her. 
because she don't, she's not shaped like one of them bugs from an ant's life. You know, she is a natural queen. And yeah, that's, that, that to me is what the truth is. Um, but, um, I don't know that we'll ever hear much ado about Joe Rogan going forward. I do know that we as an African-American community still have a lot of work to do in terms of how we support each other and how we allow people to either respect or disrespect us as a community. Um, here in New York City, um, I this week alone, um, a young lady of Asian descent, Korean descent, Christina Yuna Lee, was stabbed over 40 times in her apartment when a mentally, what we can only assume is a mentally deranged person followed her into her apartment building and subsequently into her actual apartment and stabbed her 40 times. And when the police arrived on the scene, he hid the knife, hid under the bed, and tried to use a female voice to avoid being ca- captured by the police, which he was eventually captured. And what we've seen is the Asian community rise up as a group and say, we're not going to allow you to torment our women. We're not going to allow you to torment our community. We want this prosecuted to the highest extent as an, a hate crime. And this is not going to be something that's easily let go. I applaud the the Asian community for coming together in that way. Um, I still am, am in shambles over what happened to Lauren Smith Fields up in Bridgeport, Connecticut. I am still wanting to call attention to even locally this week. In Bridgewater, New Jersey, uh, two teenagers were seen fighting at a mall, one black, one white. However, only the black teenager who was not the inciter of this altercation was pinned to the ground and arrested by Bridgewater police. Um, it just goes on and on. You know, um, I live in New York City where Mayor Eric Adams is our newest mayor. And what I'm witnessing is a lot of um, constituents, specifically African-American constituents, complain about him and the work that he has been doing so far. Listen, it is in our best interest that our politicians succeed. Whether we agree with them or not, whether we like them or not, it is in our best interest that they succeed. Because to be honest with you, as I look around at this country, as I look around at my local community, I am scared of people who look like me. I am scared to be outside. I am scared of the world that my daughter will have to live in. God willing. I'm scared for your children. I'm scared for you. And that isn't a world that we should have to live in. You know, as I left the restaurant with friends of mine 
and had a homeless person approach us in the parking lot, a homeless African-American person begging for money, you know, I thought to myself, this, we're all, we're running from this. You know, we are all, um, we're all living in a time where it is extremely scary. Everyone has guns. You don't know who to trust. And it's a scary time. Just this morning alone, someone was shot and killed on the Long Island Railroad Ronkonkoma uh, line. So I pray for all of you guys' strength. I pray for our local and elected officials. And I, not just local, but federal as well. And if you are interested in seeing change happen in your community, please do not hesitate to come into alignment with your local borough president, your local community boards, and be the change that you want to see. Let's go ahead and take a break and come back and set the table. And we are back and black. So this week, um, as we set the table to look forward to the remainder of the week and the remainder of the month and year, um, one of the things that I wanted to bring was um, the idea of what we permit for ourselves. Now, what I mean by that is a lot of times I have witnessed people who um, consciously put up um, guardrails for themselves, which doesn't allow them the ability to pivot in most situations. Now, that's a huge word when you consider the fact that, um, you know, being able to pivot is something that by and large, if you're not able to do, you can often be met with some difficulty in change. Um, to pivot is to turn or to rotate I guess like a hinge. Um, When I hear the word, I oftentimes think of a basketball player who may be holding the ball in his hand, having his foot extended, moving from left to right, trying to guard himself and the ball from being taken. Um, But I also um, think of it as giving ourselves permission to change our minds, to evolve our behavior, to give ourselves the ability to have a adequate response to changes that sometimes are even beyond our control. One of the things that I've realized is that um, you've got to give yourself permission to pivot, permission to change your mind. Sometimes we're so hell-bent on being right, whatever that means, 
that a lot of times we don't even give ourselves the permission to change or to allow people around us to change. It's okay if someone changes their mind and maybe they don't feel the same way that they did yesterday about a particular situation. Maybe they don't feel the same in terms of response. Maybe they don't even want the same things today. That's okay. It's up to you to grant people the grace to be able to do that, to ebb and flow in the way that best suits them. The danger of not allowing people to pivot and not giving yourself the permission to change is the injection of a level of pettiness. Now, what I mean by that is oftentimes when you don't allow someone, whether it be yourself or another person, when they're not allowed the ability to change, to pivot, they're not given the adequate permission to do those things, can oftentimes lead to, well, you know, the low frequency of um, people feeling like they need to um, criticize one's ability to change their mind or criticize one's ability to have the freedom to want something different today. You can't be so rigid that you miss opportunities to flow on a a different frequency. Now, what I mean by that is, to me, there are two frequencies that exist for most people, low frequency and a high frequency. A low frequency is probably what causes you to be really tired and to talk about people and gossip and, you know, doesn't give you room for change. High frequency oftentimes makes you feel warm and makes you feel like anything is possible. High frequency oftentimes also involves you having the ability to know that you're not going to miss out on what God has for you. See, the reception of the permission to pivot is what people react to. People oftentimes are so rigid in their lives that they can't get what they need in order to even press forward. See, that rigidity causes you to hold on a lot of times to things of the past, situations of the past, people of the past. You got to learn to let that stuff go. You got to pivot. And give yourself permission to do so. One of the ways that I've been allowing myself to pivot is to encourage my own self and not look for the existential encouragement. So how do I do that? I give myself permission to change my mind. I give myself permission to make mistakes. I give myself permission 
to be human. Granted, it is easier for us to see when we're outside of the frame. Yeah, it's easier for me to judge any situation when I'm outside of that frame. But when I'm in the frame, when I'm the one living with the fucked up baby daddy or with the shitty job or with the bad relationship or with the toxic friendship and I'm in the framework of that situation, oftentimes I don't really know how to give myself the permission to pivot. And sometimes it doesn't even have to be that serious. Sometimes it's just the permission to pivot, even at work. What energy am I bringing? What frequency am I bringing to a situation? I'm not getting what I need from this person. What do I do? Do I extend the olive branch and say, you know what? I can allow this person the ability and the permission to be human and extend the change agent that I'd like to see. Or I can be rigid in my response and everybody just operate on a low frequency. Truly, the answer is up to you. Now, it doesn't mean that you're always going to get what you want, but at least the frequency that you're giving to yourself is allowing you to relax that jaw muscle and control that breathing and give a hearty exhalation through your stomach to just allow yourself to not be so rigid. Listen, life is not always easy, but it'll always be, well, a pivot. Thank you guys so much for listening. Listen, let's come back together next week and let's do it one more time, all right? Hopefully by then, I can introduce my new guest host. I love you guys so much for listening. Peace.